This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Going once, going twice, sold for $3.7 billion. Legendary auction house Sotheby's has accepted a bid by French-Israeli telecommunications entrepreneur and art collector Patrick Drahi. The proposed sale to Drahi's Bid USA means Sotheby's will no longer be a publicly traded company in the world of high-priced auction that is likely good for the business. Sotheby's has been losing out lately to its rival Christie's, which is privately held by French billionaire Francois-Henri Pinault. Founded in 1744, it's only been public for about 30 years. In a statement, the chairman of its board of directors said, quote, The time is right for Sotheby's to return to private ownership to continue on a path of growth and success. With more on this move and how it could change the landscape in the auction house industry, we are joined in studio by Jerry Wind, Emeritus Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School, as well as Founding Director of the Wharton SEI Center for Advanced Studies in Management. Also joining us on the line, Tomei Sardari, Adjunct Professor of Marketing at NYU Stern School of Business, and as well, Tomei is a business editor for Luxury, History, Culture, and Consumption. And also joining us, Catherine Grady, Distinguished Professor in Economics and Dean of the Brandeis International Business School. Jerry, great to see you. It's been a while. Thanks for coming great, in. Great seeing you. Thank you. Catherine, Tommy, great to have you on the line with us. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Great. Jerry, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, any surprise that, that we are seeing <clears throat> Sotheby's move from a publicly traded entity into a private entity? Uh, no, I think it makes sense. Uh, it, actually, it goes back because they used to be private before <clears throat> before they went public. So it's kind of basically the cycle of business and realizing that being a public company places significant constraints, uh, especially the, the market expectations for quarterly performance and the like. And given the competitive nature of the art market and the fact that they actually lost the last year to major you know, kind of uh, events. One, the Rockefeller um, collection, which went to Christie and was, I think, one of the largest private collections ever, ever. It was over $800 million in sales. <clears throat> and then when they lost the Salvador Mundi, uh, which was, uh, I think, the single highest uh, uh, piece of art ever sold, like $450 million, uh, both of them uh, required guarantees. And a private company has a much easier time to provide the guarantees. So I think uh, it makes sense in this competitive environment for them to have the freedom and ability to uh, compete more effectively against Christie's. And Catherine, I think that's mm-hmm. that's part of, of what maybe a lot of the listeners don't understand is <clears throat> just how competitive this industry is to be able to, to show all of these different pieces, whether it be at Sotheby's, Christie's, or, or another uh, auction house. Absolutely. And it's very important that Christie's and Sotheby's remain competitive with each other because the industry is a duopoly, and it's really only them. Tommy, your thoughts? Um, It is. uh, The facts are correct. The examples are great. But I think what we need to focus on is that this is art, and art implies limited supply of works of great value. So, of course, uh, as a publicly traded company, you cannot go after these big estates like the Rockefeller estate that Jerry just mentioned or other works that 
that have um, intrinsic value that is going to last for many, many years ahead. So uh, it makes perfect sense for, for Sotheby's to go private right now and, and try to restructure its operations around producing better content that can lure in all these collectors who have amassed great art collections. So, Tommy, is having a, an art collector, as Mr. Drahi is, as the lead uh, in this in this group <clears throat> that is buying Sotheby's, is it to a degree a necessity to have that presence in this type of a deal, do you think? Yeah, I think so. It is the same um, as in many other luxury companies because art is a form of luxury, uh, both in terms of the object itself, but also the service and the transactions that are happening in, in such an industry. So having him already have the sensibility toward art objects and collectibles makes a huge difference and perhaps implies that he's buying it with a long-term horizon. Jerry, your thoughts? Uh, I agree. And actually, if you think about the previous owner, private owner of Sarbi, which was Taubman, was also an art collector. Yeah. So I think, and uh, if you look at Christie's owner, uh, Pinot, which is an amazing art collector, uh, so definitely <clears throat> you expect if you have private hands that the lead person will be a serious art collector, really appreciates and understands the market. I, I guess, Catherine, as we're <clears throat> starting to hear more about about Sotheby's and the position that they were in and this idea of going private now and, and some of the the wants to kind of reorganize some of the operations of uh, of Sotheby's, how important is that in terms of the structure of the business moving forward for that company, do you think? Um, Sotheby's. Uh, for a long time has tried to get into um, internet sales and they've been a leader in internet sales. And I think taking it private um, will will give them the um, ability to, to go full force on that area. But also, as um, we said, I mean, giving it Having a private company, especially one that is headed by an art collector, will give uh, sellers the confidence to go to Sotheby's rather than Christie's when they are bidding, when the two auction houses are bidding on consignments. How, I, go ahead, Jerry. I doubt it. I think uh, Christie is also owned by Pinot, who is a major, major art collector, much better known, actually, than uh, Dahi. Uh, so I don't think this will be the determining factor. The determining factor is really the offer, the ability to offer guarantee, uh, the, the distribution that they have, locations around the world. Look at all the uh, – both of the auction houses are really global. Uh, yeah. Look at what's happening now in terms of uh, their presence in Hong Kong. China is going to be the biggest, uh, you know, basically art market in the world uh, if it's not already getting there. So I think that it's really the – the access, they're having the right people, the talent, can they attract the right talent, and basically having a much longer term. But I would think that the, the <clears throat> brand, Jerry, uh, of Sotheby's, you would be able to attract the, you know, pretty much anybody. The right people is one thing, but being able to bring them in, that's, that's another part to it. That should be a fairly easy process, I would think. Right, but uh, Christie has as good a name. Basically, you're dealing sure. here with parity. The, the two of them... Uh, are really, it's unparity. The two of them are really great, great brands. And uh, the bottom line is most serious collectors are going to both of them and getting competing offers. It's not that they're, you know, yeah. kind of, there there might be few who are really loyal and going only to one of them, but most serious collectors will go to both, explore it. And um, uh, in this respect, I think it is a 
the smart move for Saudi to do it, give them more flexibility, give them deeper pockets, give them the, the, the truly the long-term ability to do it. And in addition to this, let's not forget, the shareholders made a bundle. They made between, depending on the yeah. numbers, between 56% or 61% premium over the last Friday price. Yeah. So that's a huge you know, kind of uh, benefit for the shareholders. Tommy? Yeah, I wanted to interject here because I think we're looking at operations from a very narrow point of view uh, today, and we need to step back and think a little bit about what business Sotheby's is in. And and Sotheby's is in the business of art and uh, assessing art and finding art. So the specialist, which is the frontline worker at Sotheby's and Christie's and any, any auction house, has to be extremely knowledgeable with a very, very large network of connections globally and, and be able to tap into these great collections, but also have a team with them uh, who is going to do historical research, who is going to look at historical auction prices to actually create these estimates that are correct as opposed to estimates that are not correct and they are very far off from all the guarantees. And I think this is what has made... Um, the last years at Sotheby's a little tricky because they haven't been able to focus on operational resources, which means the actual talent that creates the art record, as opposed to what we see at the other end of the market as consumers, and we're only talking about what happens the day of the sale. That's extremely important. Well, for people that, that don't follow this closely, Tommy, this process that that these auction houses have to go through to be able to not only, as you say, have those connections, but be able to bring in these these different pieces of art. What is that process like for, you know, for people to understand? It's a a very long process uh, and it's uh, it has two parts. One has to do with the object itself uh, and relies, as I said uh, earlier, in, in very rigorous art historical research, but also Uh, historical, you know, documentation, provenance, and so on and so forth. So for that, you need talent that is very well educated at the master's level or PhD level, which is quite substantial. No other business requires such a thing. And then you have the uh, customer experience and delighting the consumer, something that the two of us have been talking a lot when we talk about luxury companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, you may have someone that you anticipate they will have an estate in five years, and you have to spend a lot of money on them for those five years, creating events, creating experiences, and actually proving to them at regular intervals that you are worth your name, your brand's name, and the talent that you claim that you have in-house. Catherine, in your mind, what are the the components that really, in this industry, make it a, a positive for Sotheby's to want to go private in this instance? They can focus on the long term, so they don't have to worry about reporting short-term results. I think that's probably one of the most important um, issues. Um, also, Sotheby's, in a way, um, they've always been not exactly behind Christie's, but there's an old adage that, um, in fact, they were founded before Christie's, uh, but there's an old adage that Sotheby's are businessmen pretending to be gentlemen, and Christie's are gentlemen pretending to be businessmen. And um, uh, it, it is, I think, um, you know, making making sure that the two auction houses are equal, and and both of the auction houses being private now, that is going to put them on a better playing field, is very important in this interest in this industry. Jerry. Um, I agree. I, I think that uh, basically Salisbury has made some major moves. They just renovated the building in New York. 
uh, beautiful new galleries. Uh, but it's uh, not only the the final deal. It's really the point that I think that Tommy made in terms of the building of the relationship with the client, which are really long term. Uh, both auction houses offer actually collectors uh, free appraisal for insurance purposes. Uh, they're updating it. They're developing. It's truly long term relationship. And uh, what's important is to get being able to attract the right talent that has both the knowledge in the art but also ability to develop the relationship with the potential clients. But to me, one of the components that was mentioned earlier that I wanted to touch on is this aspect of the Internet and the sales that an auction house may do using the Internet. And how prevalent is that now in this industry? I think it's quite substantial. I don't have a number to give you, unfortunately, but definitely um, both Christie's and Sotheby's, but also other auction houses, Philips and Heritage, have moved to Internet sales because the art market is global and a lot of the ultra-high net worth individuals are not necessarily here in New York City. They may be in China. They may be in South America or somewhere else in the world. So it is very efficient. The technology now is good enough to be able to sustain that sort of demand. And they have seen really the demand shifting to Internet sales for sure. Well, I, I, I think we have to realize there are really uh, two different markets here. Uh, if you're dealing with the Rockefeller or the others, they're really very high net worth individuals with the, uh, the multi-multi-million dollar um, uh, art pieces. Uh, this is still going to be primarily the traditional way. And they are... Most of the sales are not necessarily people in the room. They are by phone or increasingly will be by Internet. But primarily you're dealing uh, real-time uh, live auctions. Uh, the second part of the Internet, which is a different market, it's a different market segment. It's a lower price product yeah. uh, at this stage and more globally. This will continue to grow. And over time, it may also increase in the value of the art pieces that are being sold on the Internet. But we really have to make sure that we distinguish between sure. these two areas. And both houses are active here. And I think the concern when you're moving into the Internet is to what extent there will be new players who will come in. Because the real competition is always in most areas is not the disruptors within the industry, but the disruptors from outside the industry. Right. Think about the Uber, Airbnb, and all of these are coming from the outside. And uh, keep in mind, while we talk about the duopoly uh, of the two major houses, there are still a lot of other small players who specialize in specific areas, not necessarily on the big ticket items. And there is nothing that will prevent uh, some of the big uh, kind of uh, technology firms, Alibaba or even Amazon at one point, uh, to enter the art market. Uh, so I think that being private will provide certainly a much greater flexibility in both competing against Christie, winning more, uh, providing uh, the ability to offer other services, as I think Tommy and Catherine suggested, also hiring better people, and eventually also being able to compete effectively in the new domains of the Internet. Catherine, your thoughts? Um, yes, and one thing that wasn't actually brought up, um, or was brought up um, er earlier, is the importance of guarantees. But but what I wanted to say on guarantees is, is guarantees have become incredibly important for the firms, and it used to be in-house guarantees. Uh, so you go to sell a very expensive painting, um, and uh, uh, Sotheby's or Christie's would guarantee a, a particular price for it. And the firms used to have to take on a lot of risk themselves. 
But the presence of third-party guarantees, where they get a third party to um, guarantee a minimum price uh, for painting, and in return, that third party gets a percentage of the difference between the minimum price and the winning bid, those are becoming more and more popular. Now, um, in reality, I'm not sure whether being private or public actually affects your ability to uh, put together third-party guarantees. It certainly does for in-house guarantees. So, then, uh, Catherine, the use of, uh, of the third party in, in this industry uh, takes away some of the risk for, uh, for the auction house? Yes, absolutely. 844-WHARTON is the number if you would like to join in, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Jerry Wynn from here at the Wharton School joining us on the line, along with Tomei Sardari from NYU and Catherine Grady from uh, Brandeis International Business School, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, at DanLoney21. So then when you talk about the structure of what Sotheby's may be moving forward. You went through, Jerry, a variety of different elements, the people, uh, the, 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 the structure of the company moving forward. You also have the Internet as well. But, but are there, is there within this industry potential other areas of growth that a company like Sotheby's or like Christie's is really starting to investigate at this point? Absolutely. There is brand extension that's been around for a while. Sotheby is, for example, linked in the real estate area. So yeah, they, right, they, have, yeah. they have an amazing brand. Both of these are amazing brands. So there's nothing to prevent them uh, if they want to expand in other areas to try to leverage their name uh, to try to reach uh, the current market that are actually serving already in the art area. So the, the whole field of luxury products and others that uh, can be sold through Sotheby. In addition to this, think about them as almost they can become a media empire because they have a huge reach and continuous relationship in multi-touch points with their target consumers. They can do it by their publications. They have very fancy publications. They have the catalogs. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, the personal relationship. They have the people visiting the, the showrooms for <coughs> the viewing, if not even uh, for the actual auction. That's a huge advantage. Now, can they start selling advertising? Uh, can they <laughs> can they start becoming really a media empire, yeah. way way broader than just the art auction? Tommy, uh, yes, absolutely. And okay. Sotheby's actually, yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, uh, Sotheby's has done something very smart already in this direction. Other than the real estate, is their <clears throat> wine collections. So they have an actual retail store within their Sotheby's buildings in New York City um, where you can find some of the most rare Bordeaux uh, wines um, and and wines that usually go um, on auction, but you could actually walk in and buy even a bottle. You don't have to buy a case. And that is um, something of tremendous value to the luxury consumer in New York City where you may not want or not have the time to wait for an auction or you want to impress someone with a very nice gift that has that branding, it's the wine that comes from Sotheby's, etc. But definitely, since all luxury companies are today shifting more to a lifestyle experience, I think there are many other opportunities for Sotheby's to branch out to other extensions. Catherine? 
for both companies also have gotten into uh, private sales in a big way recently. So not only are they acting as auction houses, but they're also um, acting as uh, as consigners, um, putting the um, uh, uh, seller and the buyer together in a private sale. Um, and I believe that some of the galleries are beginning to to become worried because of their presence in private sales, which has historically not been the case. So, so how much of that is being done through the, the availability? Of, I mean, obviously, with the auctions that they have run in the past, but just the connections, I would think, through big data and, and all of the other potential auctions that would have been out there, Catherine. Uh, uh, what do you mean by uh, how much is it, this is done this is through through the other auctions? Well, you I mean, you have the connections that, that other people are at an auction through Christie's. You make that connection. Obviously, the data is out there about somebody that may be making a purchase. You don't have to have that person go through a public auction. You can make that connection one-to-one in a private sale. Right. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on. And um, the... They have so much experience in this industry that they know who people are, they know where they are, and they have a, a, a huge ability to do this. And um, there's, there's, there's synergies here between being an auction house and being um, selling things privately. Do you, go ahead, Jerry. You, you already touched on an important point when you talk about data. Uh, and uh, the reality is that even though they have enormous amount of data, uh, I believe that both, um, both of them, both Christie and Sotheby, are lagging behind in the AI application and cognitive computing. And the AI is really going to change, especially predictive AI, is going to change the game to a large extent because it takes about, allows you to come with a much more rigorous and accurate valuation of uh, all the, the art pieces you're dealing with, decide whether it's better to offer it through a regular auction or through private sales. Uh, so I think that, um, again, going private will provide sort of the resources they need and ability, I don't know their plans, they have not talked about this, they just talked about primarily in terms of ability to grow, but my guess is in today's environment, a growth will mean to a large extent upgrading significantly their technology capabilities, especially in the AI area. Tell me. Uh, yes, and, and while I agree these are extremely important tools that need to get into this particular industry, we should not forget that art is an emotional purchase, very much like high jewelry, actually. So uh, it has to be very personal, uh, very real-life transactional, um, and, and that all falls back again in the responsibility of the specialist to be able to do a very good job because it's one thing to have private sales and, um, and do it more efficiently because actually auctions are very expensive to set up. So, of course, it's very good for Christie's or Sotheby's to have private sales. But often when there isn't enough cash flow for these big businesses, they start tapping into the crave for contemporary art. But since there isn't so much good art out, there have been exhibitions that are not of the high caliber that these names, these brands should have in the art market. So again, uh, while I agree that the way we look at business is the same, no, no matter what industry we're looking at, when you're talking about luxury, a creative product or an artistic product, we need to come back to its artistic value and the emotional value that it brings to the consumer. Which doesn't that mean, Jerry, that, that the companies like Sotheby's and Christie's are going to have to be very aware 
of this designation mm-hmm. between personal purchase and obviously the use of AI mm-hmm. and big data, which is obviously prevalent mm-hmm. in so many companies, and not to go too far potentially over the line. But uh, I think the the difference I think between the, our the perspective here is. Uh, that I don't view uh, AI as, let's say, AI versus the emotional, the personal. Okay. I see the two as end. And basically, coming AI coming together and AI can add enormously in terms of understanding the motivation of the people involved, customizing to their specific needs. Uh, there is emotional AI, a lot of activities in this area today. Uh, so I think the the challenge today, and that's probably a different topic than uh, just the topic, the narrow topic today about yeah. Sotheby, but that the general topic in terms of the role of AI and technology, especially quantum computing and some of the other development in areas such as luxury products or other products which are emotional. So, Catherine, moving forward mm-hmm. five years now, and, and again, this is speculation, but, but realistically, where do you think Sotheby's wants to be? in five years from now? I suspect they'd like a greater portion of their sales to come from Internet sales. They'd like to make a bigger splash there. Um, They would want to be certainly on par um, with getting the very big um, commissions like the Rockefeller commissions. Um, But remember, I mean, one thing to remember is Sotheby's was founded in 1744 and Christie's was founded in 1766. So these firms have very, very long histories. Right. Jerry, where do you think they want to be? Um, well, this, I think, up to the new CEO and or the current CEO, if he continues doing yeah. it, and the board. Uh, I think I agree that uh, the areas uh, that Catherine Denford are the, the right ones. But I would focus more on increasing the share of wallet they have with their segments that they can attract and new segments. I think the big opportunity will be global, you know, to have major presence in China. In uh, other areas, kind of the emerging wealth around the world, uh, and they're both still, to a large extent, with major, major focus on U.S. and Europe. Uh, so I think global will be a major, major expansion for them. And um, I don't view again uh, internet or digital as a separate strategy. I view it basically as an integral part of any strategy today. Uh, but I would focus more on uh, leveraging, if I were them, I would leverage mm-hmm. um, my current and potential new clients and try to see how can I maximize my share of wallet with each one of them. Tommy? I agree with both Catherine and Jerry, but I want to add that since we're also seeing um, younger consumers getting into the art market, I think both Christie's and Sotheby's and any other auction house will have the responsibility of educating that younger public uh, so the role of storytelling is going to be even more important in the next five years. So they will need to allocate more resources into their marketing departments to actually reveal the story behind the items that they will be um, promoting, auctioning off, or selling. Great ha- great having you all with us today. Jerry, great seeing you. Thank you for coming in. Catherine, Tommy, great to talk to you on the phone. Thank you both for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Jerry Wynn from here at the Wharton School, Catherine Grady at Brandeis, and Tommy Sudari at NYU. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.